the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Uh, it is the a Wednesday morning, the 24th morning of the 10th month in the year of our Lord, 2018. Uh, thanks again to Bob Paduchik for coming on last uh, uh, half hour. And uh, again, if you heard the interview that I did with um, MSNBC's Stephanie Rule uh, on the Hewitt Show this morning, uh, I do want your reactions to that, and I will take them at 216-901-0945 after we have our conversation with Ryan Morrow, who joins us again from the Clarion Project. Ryan is the Shulman Fellow at the Clarion Project, online at clarionproject.org, and he's the Director of National Intelligence for Clarion as well. Ryan, good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing well. Ryan, a lot of ground to cover in the Middle East, and I want to start with obviously uh the ongoing saga of what happened to jamal khashoggi uh what we do know is that jamal khashoggi has been confirmed deceased the last time we spoke there was still a question as to whether or not he was just missing or had actually died since that time we have heard a myriad of 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 uh, explanations as to how and why the turkish government seems to want us to believe uh that he was tortured to death and dismembered while still alive uh there are fantastic stories about tapes existing showing this in terms of audio tapes uh torturers being told to put in headphones and listen to music while they do their disgusting deeds and so on and so forth and then we hear the saudi government saying uh no no he just uh, got into a fist fight and it went awry and he died in a fist fight so you know there's so much going on here and clearly the saudi government is doing everything they can to protect the crown prince i want to know and this is speculative certainly and if you don't want to speculate that's okay what do you think happened uh, if you want to answer that part. And secondly, if it was indeed a hit put on uh, uh, Khashoggi by the uh, Saudi crown prince, what should the United States response be, Ryan, if it is proven that that was the case? Are we, by necessity, going to have to sanction or somehow cut off ties with Saudi Arabia? What would the impact of that be in the broader Middle East? Well, the reports are that we are going to uh, not allow certain Saudi officials to come to the United States. We're going to can't deny them visas to come to the United States. Um, it's basically a slap on the wrist, uh, but it has a certain personal effect because you're calling out someone specific. Um, honestly, I think I would just leave it at that um, and maybe criticize them more broadly in areas that are in our interest and, and, in, and compatible with our values um, but you do not want to destabilize Saudi Arabia um, when you have the crown prince there who is, uh, by Saudi standards, pretty good for the United States and pretty good uh, even for the prospects of his own people. Um, because a, a real liberal by Saudi standards just isn't going to be able to hold that place together. It'll be chaos and likely fall apart. Um, so that's just the reality of the situation. You want to push the Saudis in the right direction, but you don't want to break their back in doing so. And the reports coming out of Saudi Arabia do indicate that there is some level of chaos and internal tension now erupting within the Saudi royal family, and that could be very, very bad. Um, as for the story of what happened, um, we, I obviously don't know, uh, but one pattern I'm noticing 
is that there is clearly a coordinated campaign on the part of the Turkish government to get these stories out there. When every single newspaper is reporting just about the same thing, quoting anonymous Turkish officials, but none of the reporters actually appear to have listened to those alleged audio tapes, it's all being second-hand, and, and the descriptions are the same, and the language used to describe them is the same. It, it, it's very clearly coordinated. It doesn't mean that it's false, um, but uh, I, I'm used to Middle Eastern governments, uh, with the exception of Israel, uh, saying uh, some kernel of truth, but then they always go a few levels above. So I would say the truth is somewhere between what the Saudis are saying and what the Turks are saying. Um. I can respect that. Um, I was trying to process that, though. How can it be in between a, a hit squad being sent to grab him and torture him and dismember him, and uh, he just got into a fight and accidentally died? Um, you know, and also, and also the the order. I guess that's the other part of this. If it came from the crown prince or not, there's no medium there, no happy medium there. It's got to, you know, he either ordered it or somebody ordered it on his behalf sure. or not. I guess that's the. And, and maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't matter, and you know better than I do whether it matters or not, but that's just kind of how I feel. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, for Amer- American political reasons, in terms of the relationship with the West that matters, um, mm-hmm. because of how gruesome the story is, from a Middle Eastern perspective, it does not matter. Uh, I would assume that most of them see a lot of our conversations about this and going over the details as rather silly. Um, from the Saudi perspective and the perspective of most Arabs, uh, this would be equivalent to assassinating an enemy commander. They don't separate in their minds the media from enemy forces. It's just, oh, are you on the other side that we don't like? Are you part of the Muslim Brotherhood or even sympathetic? Um, well, then if you're a major player, then you're no different than a combatant. And, and that's how, how their psychology works. But where it could be between the two stories, the, the stories are making it sound like there was an argument and a fistfight broke out. That's not what happened. (laughs) Definitely, I I do not believe that's what happened. I think the Crown Prince had to have known uh, that there's going to be an operation to try to basically carry out a rendition, at least, bring him back to Saudi Arabia, um, and then put him on trial, or at least more harshly interrogate him, but get him out of Turkish land. Um, And then it's very possible that from there there was a confrontation, and then it turned into... Um, a murder. Um, that's possible. It's also, uh, I'm very open to the idea that it was just a straight-up assassination. Um, but I'm sticking to, I'm sticking very conservatively to what we know, um, and I, I still think that the, the Crown Prince, if you propose the idea of just an assassination to him, uh, he, he would say that's a bit far. A rendition? That's a little bit different. But when you put people who are trained killers and have already become conditioned to perhaps even enjoy physical confrontation like that, uh, then these type of incidents do happen where, where something can quickly spiral out of control and those instincts take over uh, that they've been trained to do and they've reconciled their own morals uh, to enable them to do. Ryan Moore joining us from the Clarion Project. He is a national security analyst there and the Shulman Fellow at the Clarion Project as well. Ryan, briefly on the caravan, because I know you have something else you want to get into, but briefly on the caravan, the president and many others have said there is no doubt these are not all Hondurans or Guatemalans or Salvadorans. Uh, There are people in that caravan of now, what, some 14,000 from around the world, including the Middle East and including people we can presume trying to infiltrate that horde of people to get into the United States under asylum 
claims. In the same way, they, ISIS promised to infiltrate those who were trying to come to the United States straight out of Syria, uh, asking for, um, uh, you know, refuge. Uh, so can you tell me what your thoughts are in terms of the connection between Middle Eastern terror groups and, <clears throat> excuse me, and getting to Central America and finding their way into these masses of people to get into the United States? Sure, I know of no information connecting that caravan to the Middle East, but it's fair to assume that we are dealing with numbers of people that high. There's going to be some Middle Easterners in there, and if there's not, then this is probably not the only caravan that's going on uh, because it's a big border, and everyone has known about the insecurity of the border. So, uh, for the sake of impacting policy and having the correct argument about the issue, it, it would be fair to assume well, Middle Easterners and uh, and People from all around the world are going to be engaging in this type of activity. It actually doesn't matter so much whether they are in this specific caravan. Um, and there's even a gray area in terms of how you label these individuals, if you even know who they are and what their backgrounds are. So what if it's a Middle Eastern immigrant family that was growing up in Mexico? Are they Middle Eastern, or do you call them Mexican? It gets very confusing. So uh, the, for me, the bottom line is you have people who are illegal headed into the United States who you, you don't have the information necessary in order to protect yourselves and to properly process them and respect the rule of law and, and arguably even the existence of the United States because, it, as it's often been said, if you don't have a border, then you don't have a country um, because there's, there's no stopping and, and ending. There's no beginning and end to where your country is. All right, it's 1022. i got a few more minutes now with Ryan Morrow, uh, the uh, dire- Director of Clarion Intelligence, the National Security Analyst and Shillman Fellow at the Clarion Project, online at clarionproject.org. Make sure you read Ryan's great work there and follow him on social media as well so you can be the first to see uh, more of his investigations and commentary. All right, Ryan, now you're going to have to explain this to me uh, like one of my favorite movies, a line from uh, one of my favorite movies. Uh, Philadelphia, explain this to me like I'm a four-year-old, uh, because that's uh, that's kind of where I am on this. We're talking about um, Middle Eastern. Uh, well, in fact, I'll just kind of let you ex- uh, tell the story. You kind of tried to describe it to me about uh, about Islamic relief organizations and Middle East Forum doing an investigation. It appears using some of your work um, to look into this. Tell us what this story really is. Sure. So uh, this is actually a really big story. Islamic Relief is the biggest Islamic charity around the world. Um, they have a massive presence in the United States, and just about every mosque does a fundraiser for them just because it's like what you do, like you hold a fundraiser for the Boy Scouts uh, on your block. Um, and it's, it's a main humanitarian organization, but they've had long documented ties with the Muslim Brotherhood and Hamas, and so a lot of people have written about them. Um, but uh, I did some research and, and some engagement with different agencies related to Islamic relief and ties to terrorist organizations and extremist movements. And in 2014, I began working with um, one agency, the Office of Personnel Management, uh, in regards to an investigation into Islamic relief, which I kept quiet about. It grew to include three agencies, the FBI, the IRS, and the Office of Personnel Management, um, and it resulted in a joint criminal case uh, that was actually put together and according to who I spoke with um, and worked with on this uh, we thought that this could be the biggest terrorism financing trial in U.S. history. that had the potential to be much bigger than the Holy Land Foundation. Really? Um, yeah, and the Obama administration uh, chose not to prosecute 
Um, but I didn't get an, an exact answer, nor did the agents involved get an exact answer. They're, they could speculate, and there's some things that were said that led them to think there were different reasons for that, but the investigation continued, um, and that happened in 2016. I passed the information over to the Middle East Forum um, so that they could help file a Freedom of Information Act request, um, and they they encouraged me to wait on coming forward until that went through so that we had all the documentation, we could do it together. And so the story is now public, and it's out there, and it's a big story, and five members of Congress have written letters um, to the leaders of those three governmental agencies saying, well, we just learned that this big investigation happened and it was dropped and we want to know more about it. And we are concerned about the fact that there is a continuing investigation from the federal government into Islamic relief, and yet they're still able to operate and get just millions of dollars in grants and government money um, in the United States and around the world. So this organization, Islamic Relief, is getting federal money, tax dollars, essentially, and then funneling them and repurposing them, essentially laundering those dollars uh, and, and putting them in the hands of terror organizations. Right. So they have a headquarters in the U.K. Uh, so what happens is that they, have, they operate under the name Islamic Relief informally, but their formal name is Islamic Relief USA. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone's thinking it's like 100% American, but actually the money... Uh, according to their own tax filings, uh, goes to the U.K. And then it's the U.K. leadership, which is much more closely tied to the Muslim Brotherhood and Hamas and groups like that, that then awards the grants and redistributes that money around. And so it's it's a smart way of doing business if you're an extremist, um, and it doesn't necessarily mean everyone involved in Islamic Relief is guilty of a crime. That's just not how it works. Right, um, but it's a massive, massive operation. When you look at the numbers, it's it's really, it's almost like a bank account for the Islamist movement globally. Um, Ryan, you said they are the subject of an ongoing federal investigation. Are we talking FBI? Are we talking Homeland? Or or who's or CIA? Who's doing this? I'll, I'll just leave it at this. Um, basically, the, there was <clears throat> the criminal case that was put forth against them. Um, and the Obama administration chose not to prosecute, but I did know at the time that the investigation was continuing because I was involved in it. Um, and then uh, once we filed the Freedom of Information Act request, uh, once I gave the information to Middle East Forum, the request that came, the, the response that came back from these agencies was that they could not provide any records, nothing, because it is related to ongoing investigation efforts. <laughs> Uh, which was which confirmed that it was still ongoing um, past the point that uh, I was aware of it doing so. I mean, I still knew, right. um, but but the but it meant right up to that moment today um, that investigation is ongoing. So, is it is it covert though? I mean, I know you say it's ongoing, but I mean, is this something that we we get briefings from uh, the the FBI on? You know, we, there's a lot of investigations that they brief the people, the American people on. Because I this is the first I've heard, first of all, of the Islamic Reef, uh, Relief Organization, and uh, whether it be USA or UK. And second of all, I haven't heard a word about any investigation into them. Is this something they have to keep quiet in in your mind? Yeah, I, I was keeping it very quiet um, because I want to respect the relationship that I have. I do know that the agents were furious when when the criminal case did not move forward, um, and someone involved um, or at least aware of what was going on did suggest to me and said, "Was maybe there's something you can dig up on FOIA." 
Um, and I was, and that's what I was planning on coming forward with, but mm-hmm. not coming forward and saying that there is a continuing investigation because I, I wouldn't want to do that. But then when, in response to the letter from Middle East Forum uh, about this investigation, uh, when the response said, okay, well, we can't give you any records because there's an ongoing investigation, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> then the cat's out of the bag at that point. Yeah, no question about it. So really, we're going to have to turn to you, obviously, for more information on this as much as you're able to and allowed to uh, to disclose, But because this is, a, this is a big deal. American tax dollars by way of federal grants and subsidies going to an organization that is turning around and funneling, uh, funding uh, terror organizations around the world. So it's something that uh, I'm very glad to learn. Well, actually, I'm sad that I learned of it, but if it does exist, we, need, we do need to know it. Ryan Morrow, online, follow him. Ryan Morrow is M-A-U-R-O. Follow him on Twitter and on Facebook. Book, get his news first. And Ryan, thanks for the time today, as always. Thank you so much. You got it. All right, it's 1030 now. We are guest-free the rest of the way. I do have some interviews I'm going to try to share with you from uh, the show that I did this morning for Hugh Hewitt, unless, of course, you would rather not hear those and you would rather talk to me. 216-901-0945. You decide. 888-281-1110. Come. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth you are experiencing the truth, the Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Gonna have to let it play for a minute. Just, just feeling it. What are you doing? Sometimes it just happens this way. Sorry. Get to that hook real quick. Ten thirty-five. Now the Bob France Authority continues on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Hopefully, you enjoyed that as much as I did. Sometimes you just need a break. You need a music break. You need a little interlude. Uh, you got to do what you got to do, and that provided it for me. Thank you, Samuel. Uh, great song choice there. Absolutely. Hey, I want to uh, hit a couple of things real quick before I go back to the phones. <clears throat> Number one, I was talking to Bob Paduchik about the um, Republican bus tour uh, that's uh, going to be in uh, Solon on Friday as he, the Republican Party co-chair, the RNC co-chair, along with all of the Ohio uh, Republican diplomats and the uh, Republican candidates in our state, including uh, the likes of Jim Renacci and Beverly Goldstein. They're going to be in Solon on Friday uh, for a big bus tour, and they really, really want to get out and rally people to support and get out and vote uh, for these very important candidates at this very important time. But as I mentioned, uh, Beverly Goldstein in that, uh, I got a note saying Dr. Goldstein has a meet and greet tonight as well at the Richfield Library at 6 p.m. So if you can get out there, if you're in that area, 4761 Grant Street in Richfield, uh, there's a photojournalist who's going to be there to do a photo show to shoot an interview with Beverly Goldstein. Let's get a nice crowd of supporters out there to support Bev in Richfield at the library, 4761 Grant Street in Richfield, tonight at 6 p.m. if you are able to make it out there. I want to share this with you, too, again, before I go to the phones. This is outstanding this was a uh, democratic campaign ad that has been put together by non-democrats but you wouldn't know it because it's essentially what they really believe no conservative ali stuckey did an absolutely pitch perfect parody of a democrat campaign ad 
It's worth the three and a half minutes that I'm going to spend letting you listen to this. This is a new Democrat campaign ad, parody style, by conservative Allison Stuckey. You are going to like this, I promise you. Hi, I'm a spokesperson for the Democratic Party. I'm going to pause it here just to say some of it you won't get. Don't be discouraged. Some of it is visual. She speaks throughout the entire thing, but they do have images and locations where she's standing and so on and so forth that do add to the parody. Uh, but, you know, it's not essential for listening to this on the radio. But just understand there might be some things you don't quite get. And I'll tell you this, too. Rather than just listening to it, which I want to play for you on the radio, I have tweeted it and I have Facebooked it. So if you follow me on Twitter or Facebook at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z, um, you will see it there waiting for you the next time you log on to either of those platforms. Now, once again, the new Democrat campaign ad. And I'm here to tell you why you need to vote blue this November. Democrats are the party of love and tolerance. We promote inclusion and acceptance, peace and goodwill. Republicans don't care about any of these things. They just want to talk about record unemployment, the economy and keeping communities safe. Fascists. Democrats have positive, practical priorities, like abolishing the Electoral College, eliminating due process, and banning hate speech. These are the values of the American people. Well, at least Americans that live in San Francisco and New York. Republicans often use fear-mongering rhetoric, like Constitution or Liberty. Democrats condemn such language as divisive and instead focus on more unifying topics like repealing the Second Amendment or kneeling for the national anthem. Democrats are the party of equality, so much so that we insist upon unconditionally believing women and disbelieving men because, well, feminism. If you ask us to explain this logically, we will scream in your face and call you a misogynist. Republicans want to take away a woman's sacred right to choose to have her child decapitated inside the womb and torn apart limb by limb with forceps. Democrats celebrate the right to violently murder your child because we're compassionate. Democrats believe that women are powerful and independent. They are also helpless victims of the patriarchy who require government intervention to succeed. Any woman who disagrees with us on this is a self-hating, stupid bimbo. And you know, it's time someone was finally brave enough to say this. Republicans are racist. Democrats have the same positive message for minorities that we have for women. You're a victim, and you're useful to us. If you disagree, we'll insult your intelligence, but it's for your own good. Republicans want to stop certain people from coming into this country. They cite the infiltration of gang violence or opioids or sex trafficking as reasons to stop illegal immigration. But Democrats accept these as the natural consequences of opening up the borders, which, of course, is the more loving thing to do. Democrats recognize that the key to a better tomorrow is to look forward, not backward. That's why we reject capitalism and all of its greed and instead opt for socialism, which has worked so well every time it's been tried. Democrats are the party of the common people, the poor and the marginalized, the weak and defenseless. While Republicans promise freedom, we promise free stuff. That's how we win over young people. Our goal is to make the government work for you so you don't have to work at all. Republicans are always pushing religion in our faces. We reject their bigotry. Religious people are idiots. Democrats would much rather you sacrifice yourself on the altar of progressivism. The truth is, as the party of empathy, we're just better than everyone else. That's why we spend so much time telling people who don't align with our agenda that they're not just wrong, 
but that they're bad people. We still haven't figured out that this condescension is what lost us the 2016 election. Nevertheless, we're confident that through censorship, emotional manipulation, and continued bullying that will eventually get our way. Why? Because we care about you. So much so that we're willing to wear you down until you fear getting silenced, doxxed, or fired because you don't agree with our agenda. That's love. I'm the spokesperson for the Democratic Party. Vote for us in November. Can you dig it? <laughs> I, uh, that's, it doesn't get better than that. I told you, you're going to want to see it. You'll enjoy it more when you see her and the various images that they put up to uh, support the audio. Uh, I tweeted it from France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z, and I, uh, radio, uh, and I uh, Facebooked it there as well. So if you're looking for it, that is where you can find it if you are on social media. Outstanding job by conservative Allison Stuckey. That was epic. To the phones, we go. Steve is on the line. Now, Steve is Steve Salvi, who is the founder of Ohio Jobs and Justice. And Steve sent me a tweet late last week that said, Bob, is anybody going to talk about the origin of this caravan that is heading north from Central America through Mexico and to the United States? Because the founder of this or the organizer or the funder, the benefactor, whatever it is you want to call them, uh, it needs to be known. And I said, no, I haven't heard about this. Please call me and tell me. And lo and behold, he did exactly that. Good morning, Steve. Hi, Bob. How are you? I am okay. Um, I'll be a lot better once November 6th comes and goes, and we can stop hearing about blue wave nonsense and get back to the business of fixing our country. But uh, other than that, I'm okay. So, Steve, you, you, you sent me that note, uh, and, and I, I said I definitely want to hear from you this week, and I'm so glad you followed up because I had forgotten, as I am wont to do. Um, tell me what you can tell me about the caravan. Well, um, you know, I started to peel back the onion, and uh, this is really going back if you remember uh, back in 2002, which is like 16 years ago, Elvira Ariano was a, uh, a legal alien who was arrested um, because she was working at the Chicago O'Hara Airport, mm-hmm. and she was arrested by ICE. Anyway, long story short, she went into, and she may have been the first person who went into sort of or, or got the publicity went into sanctuary in a church in Chicago. And um, anyway, long story short, she started, uh, co-founded a group, La Familia Latina Unida, and that group, uh, sort of a, a spin-off or associated group, is Pueblo Sin Fronteras. And uh, that was founded in 2008, and these are the people who are involved with the caravan. Now, going even further, um, there's the National Day Labor Organizing Network, who is a Pueblo Sin Fronteras is a member of that organization. So this is sort of a spider web uh, that expands. Then there's the Central American Resource Center, which was established in 1981. And this is going back to the um, uh, where really the initial uh, the initial sanctuary uh, process started when there was uh, 
uh, military conflict in Central America, and the Catholic Church and others were encouraging uh, 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 migration and or uh, refugees, asylum status for uh, people in Central America who are then traveling north. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition to that is the Catholic Legal Immigration Network out of Silver Springs, Maryland. Now, all these groups, um, their donors, where the money's coming from, and I can't say it's directly funding uh, the caravan through these groups, but these are names that you're going to be familiar with because they fund a lot of uh, pro-amnesty, open-border organizations, nonprofits. Uh, the Carnegie Foundation, the Ford Foundation, the MacArthur Foundation, the Open Society Foundation, which most people, uh, if they're not aware, it's associated with George Soros, uh, Unbound Philanthropy, and the Silicon Valley Community Foundation. So, um, uh, as we peel back the onion, I think at some point we're going to find out the money's flowing through these organizations and then uh, to the, uh, the people in the caravan. And an important thing to note that um, the Catholic Legal Immigration Network, who provides legal assistance to uh, um, illegal aliens, refugees or people are or are filing for assignment they certainly do by, by it was created by the u.s uh conference on catholic bishops so that's um that's a big deal i, I am very very familiar with the, with the catholic church's involvement in all of this but the other organizations that you just uh, outlined um, this is this is extremely important to know. Now you peeled back all of these layers. Um, have have elected officials done so? I mean, because the way this is being portrayed, Steve, which I know you know, is this is just people at the end of the rope. These are just you know impoverished people. Two thirds of the citizens of Honduras live in extreme poverty, and they're just trying to improve their lives, if not save their lives. They're making it look like this is just some sort of uh, you know grassroots march of we we have to do something. We're desperate and instead of the you know the the organizations that you just talked about that are behind this do you know do do trump and not that you're connected to the trump administration but do you think that our highest levels of government are aware of this well you know uh, i would hope so but i can tell you what what this is a lot of these people in these organizations like uh, elvira orlando who started mm-hmm. out as basically i think it as a janitor in, in uh, at the airport in chicago uh, is now an international, what they call, human rights activist. A lot of these people of are... Of course. And the, and the people in the caravan, caravan are pawns in a bigger picture. And and this is getting back to to the, the globalists. The globalists, well, you're not going to have a one-world government if you, as long as, the, as you have a strong United States, strong U.S. military. They have to break down the U.S. border... Uh, in order to for the globalists to get their uh, to to get a one world government, so this is their way of doing it. The the all these nonprofits uh, who are run by elitist globalists provide the funding to uh, these groups to 
run their caravans into the United States. And this is not going to be the first one. And anybody who... They're already organizing the next one in El Salvador. I saw that this morning. There's another one that plans to leave in a couple of weeks or a few weeks, whatever. But there is another one ready to go. And the reason why is the previous one was successful. This one will likely be successful. I mean, essentially, if you want to come to the United States, if you live in poverty, and I don't care if you're in El Salvador, you're in Guatemala, you're in in Honduras, you're in anywhere in uh, South America, you're in Africa, you're in Asia... If you basically get yourself down to at least, uh, you know, one of the Central American starting points and Mexico will allow you to just go ahead and march up through. And we now essentially have no border. We now essentially have no immigration laws. We have no uh, need for visas. Just show up. Show up at the border, say, I'm fleeing persecution, and you are released into the United States. And because of the organizations you just pointed out, this is going to continue time and time and time again. What, 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 you know fear do they have when they see others uh, doing this and being successful and not being turned away at the border? They have, they have no fear at all. Uh, they have a better chance of, of getting into the United States than they do of surviving in the current conditions they have in their own countries. It is just staggering to me. And, and Bob, you know, the people who should be fearful are the people, uh, our fellow citizens of the United States. And, you know, if you've heard these people are just coming up here because of the desperate situations down in Central America. But I can tell you what, um, there was just a, a guilty plea for an MS-13 uh, illegal alien who was operating in Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. uh, 21 years old, so he was he was uh, able to get DACA. Um, he, along with 23 other people in Ohio, were charged with five murders, attempted murder, extortion, money laundering, drug trafficking, assault, obstruction of justice, wow. witness intimidation, weapons offenses, and immigration-related offenses. Okay? So this is a guy, he's, he is one of the people that are in this caravan. And my well, thing is, most of those people in that, that caravan are, uh, if you've seen them, they're very healthy-looking um, military, working, working or yeah. military-age males. That bingo. Yeah, I knew that's where you're going with it, and that is a huge, huge part of the story. And that's why we have to stop believing that this is some sort of a humanitarian crisis. This is a national security crisis for the United States, Steve. I'm so glad you called with all that great information. Stay on. I don't have to tell you to. I know you will. You'll stay on the case. You'll keep researching and investigating. Please report back to me anything that you think the people need to share, because I'm more than happy to give you that uh, that opportunity. Thank you, Steve Salvi. Make sure you go to his website, by the way, Ohio Jobs and Justice. Uh, it's a fantastic site, really shining a spotlight on illegal immigration in Ohio, companies that support it. Uh, sanctuary cities, and much, much more. Make sure you follow that. I'll give you the specific uh, address uh, when we come right back on AM 1420, The Answer. Zero. If you um, have not had enough of my voice over the last five hours. I've got three more for you. <laughs> uh, 
I did Hugh's show this morning, all three hours of the Hugh Hewitt Show. Thank you for joining us for these two hours of the Bob France Authority. But uh, Larry Elder is out tonight, and I am in the big chair for the Sage of South Central as well. So tonight, six to, well, uh, live 6 to 9 on air, 7 to 10, right here on AM 1420, The Answer, if you want to get more of these conversations. Uh, so join me tonight on the Larry Elder Show. Uh, let's go to a few more phone calls before we're done. Greg is in Lakewood. You're on the air. Greg, go right ahead. Hey, good morning, Bob. Great show. Very informative. Awesome guests. Um, There might be one more organization I would like to add to that list, and that is the OFA, Organizing for uh, America, I believe it is. No, yeah, that's Obama's. That's that's Obama's old group, isn't it? That's his current group. Uh, OFA, I'm, yeah, uh, basically uh, 32,000 strong, a war chest of $40 million, and uh, they're, gonna, they're trying basically to thwart every Trump's move. For example, if Trump issues an, ex- an executive immigration order, the OFA signals for protests and statements from pro-immigrant groups, the ACLU lawyers file lawsuits in jurisdictions where activist judges obstruct the laws. Volunteers are called to protest at airports and congressional town hall meetings. Then the leftist media springs to action in the support of these activities. The Twitter sphere lights up with social media, and then violence follows. That is well, how they operate. You're exactly right. They do. And, uh, and, and I would not be surprised. I did not know about OFA having a part in this, but it does not surprise me at all. I think the, the tentacles are very deep and wide and they go into a lot of different directions here. Anybody who thinks that this is just some sort of, hey, everybody had the same idea at the same time. And oh, by the way, trucks and, and, and vehicles and cameras and, uh, aid stations along the way, these all just happen to materialize organically. If they don't think that this was organized, people are just not paying attention. It is absolutely all of the above. All very orchestrated. And one last thought, Bob, in regards yes, to the senator of Hawaii and uh, Crazy trying, to change the defini- trying to change the definition of nationalist, okay? If, in, if an individual pledges allegiance to the United States of America and our flag, you are a nationalist. You're not pledging allegiance to Cuba. You're not pledging allegiance to the rebel flag or the United Nations flag or any other country's flag. You're pledging allegiance to our flag first, and therefore, no matter matter what color you are, pink, yellow, brown, purple, orange, you are an American who is a nationalist. That is a brilliant observation. That That's perfect. You know, there were two great calls that I got on this or messages that I got on this today on nationalism. The first one came from a Twitter user who hit me up when I was on Hewitt who said, think of it this way. A flight attendant tells you to put your oxygen mask on first, then help your child. Why? Because you're no good to your child if you're passed out or dead. Take care of yourself, then you can help others. Same thing with America. You're a nationalist. Take care of our country first, then we can help others. The second one was what that guy just said. The Pledge of Allegiance to our flag means you're pledging allegiance to our country and not others. That makes you a nationalist. Thank you so much for that. I'll talk to you tonight on The Larry Elder Show. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.